we could talk. They'll uh, pretty much talk about the game and stuff. But uh, also, also earlier today, I did a, I recorded a nice little thing with uh, <laughs> with Jack Silverstein. Mm. And uh, talking about that uh, that uh, that post that he wrote for Witty City Gridiron and uh, about the Bears jersey and stuff, and well, about the you know the role that the Bears played, that Hollis and the Bears played in keeping black players out the league back in the day. Yeah, I think I kind of saw something of that with him on Twitter. Yeah, well, be pretty. You'll hear you'll hear when we talk talk about it, but uh, I mean his article pretty much led to what the Bears did this week with that video. Yeah, I know you saw the video, right? No, I did not see the video. Oh uh, yeah, well look yeah look that up. Uh, it's, it's tweeted it out, but they were they responded. They uh you know that that uh committee they had they uh talked about. The jerseys and how uh, you know this is the the Sunday will be the first time that any black players or the or the Bears will wear the jersey because no no because the league has shut black players out back in 1936 when they well, it was the only year that they previously wore it mm-hmm. and they were talking about you know making up for that and uh, uh, they're gonna be. Uh, auctioning off the jerseys and proceeds will go to the uh, the organizations that they're aligning themselves with, uh, you know, here in Chicago and stuff, social organizations. Okay, I found the video. Yeah. You go ahead and play it right now. Okay. And we have a big divisional game this week. I'm joined here by my teammates on our internal social justice committee and our chairman, George McCaskey. As you know, we assembled this committee last season to address the important social issues within our community. And together with the club, we raised over $800,000 to give back to our community here in Chicago. We're proud of this work, but we still have a long way to go. Another part of this committee is to engage in meaningful dialogue with the organization, league, and our fan base on issues that we as people, not just football players, care about and can make an impact on. As a founded franchise, our organization is glorious, but it's not perfect. This Sunday against the Vikings, our players will wear the 1936 classic jersey. That was from a time when, unfortunately, African-Americans were not included on the Bears or other NFL rosters. Integration of the NFL and the Bears was too long in coming. But we're proud that this year's Bears will be the first African-Americans to wear these jerseys. The importance of wearing this jersey goes way beyond this moment. Wearing this jersey is a sign, a symbol for the people that came before us that weren't allowed to wear this jersey. And now on our shoulders is the opportunity to represent not only our culture, but our city and our team by wearing this jersey and being the first African-Americans to do so. With all that said, after much thought and a lot of meetings, we are proud to be the first African-Americans to pull this jersey over our head and take the field to represent this storied franchise and this great city. When the dust settles on Soldier Field after the game, we want to use this as a positive opportunity to give back. To do that, we'll be auctioning off select player game-worn jerseys from Sunday's game on chicagobears.com to benefit local social justice organizations we as players have selected. Join us in the celebration on Sunday as we take on the Vikings. We learn from our past and use it to push forward for more growth in the next 100 years.
Okay. Yeah, so that's uh, you know that was that was the, the essentially they did that video because Jack wrote that wrote the post that he did. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, out you know outlined the history behind the the color line band and everything, and you know basically laid it at the feet of Hollis because pretty because pretty much you know people have pinpointed like the uh, George Marshall the you know uh, who owned the Redskins yeah he was like so, just a renowned racist right but you know but in his research Jack you know looked at it you know Marshall was a young owner at the time that they that that this uh policy had came about and you know, Hallis, of course, was a founding owner in the league, and he was a guy who actually was bringing Marshall under his wing. They were good; they were good friends and stuff. And uh, so, it, it and uh, I, you know, Hallis, I guess, was head of the rules committee too, and everything. So, you know, he he had definitely more sway than Marshall had at that time. So, and the Bears, of course, as well. It, it took them until the fifties to bring in a black player as well after, you know, after that and everything. And, you know, it, the red, uh, Washington took the longest, but like the bit, the bears didn't really lead the charge either. So it's like, mm-hmm. you know, there's a, there's a bad history there. And, but, you know, there's a lot of credit, you know, Jack himself gave a lot of credit. To McCaskey and I, you know, and I feel the same way that they, you know, for them to uh, to address this history and try to make something positive of it is very meaningful. And they, I think, you know, when you look at the committee with the Bears and stuff, and you no, know, it's it's going back to last uh, for a year now. They've sort of led the charge and really set the tone for what teams can do in the league in regards to uh, addressing social issues and stuff. So it's, you know, I think the Bears deserve some credit for that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, it's interesting. You can look at it a bunch of different ways, I think, but it's been a positive, at least from how how it's been described. I, I wonder how much room the players had to, like, really revolt against this. Well, I mean, it's probably not much. I don't know if they how much they really wanted to, and right. But at the at the same time, I think if, if McCaskey if McCaskey in the front office got ahead of things, you know, because that I think that made that probably would have made a difference because you know a lot of I could picture a lot of front offices in the league probably would have just been like, well, shut up and oh, take yeah, it, for you sure. Know? For sure. Or they you know they could try to ignore it and say, you know, we don't want to be distracted or you know, that's that was the context that me and Jack uh put it into a lot was that and, and, and you can compare this you can compare this to what a lot of the teams are pretty much every team filled with Colin Kaepernick, like they don't wanna take him take on that quote unquote distraction. Mm-hmm. But you can look at what the Bears did here and see that there's that a team can chew and you know, walk and chew gum at the same time, and that you can you can address certain things like this and still prepare yourself for an important game, and you know 
whether the Bears win or lose Sunday, it's not going to really make a difference to what they did here. You know, what they did here is was important, but it's separate. And it's, you know, the fact that they could do both things, like, like I said, sets a tone that, you know, you would hope that other teams will follow. I don't know how many will, but, I, you know, I think it, it, it makes it a little bit better to root for the Bears I would, in, that, in that way, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely progress, and we'll take that progress. Yeah, what, however you want to talk about that, we can. Well, I think we kind of did <laughs> just this. Are so. you just going to keep that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Ayo, I laid in my bed and thought about everything The light, dark, and the heavy things The house, the kids Live in full effect, everybody This is the Bear Necessities Podcast For the latest week of the NFL season This is uh, this is our, our third episode of Bear Necessities But uh, this is week four of the NFL season Week four for the Bears and uh, they are in a big, pretty big week early on here in this season. Viking week, Minnesota week, however you want to classify it. This is a big division rival set to come into Soldier Field on Sunday. And, uh, you know, we got the latest for you, the latest and greatest. Me, myself, Kyle Means, editorial director of WeAreRigorRadio.com, War Media, and Ryan Bukovetsky on the line with me as always our Bears reporter, NFL reporter extraordinaire. And uh yeah, we just I think we said that we've we've run into I think what is uh, going to be the uh, uh, early standout episode for us here with the Bear Necessities Ryan. I think this is a uh, uh, the best this I could safely say is going to be the best episode yet because not only is you know, you know, not only is this a good week to talk about the Bears, a, a good positive week overall, there's a lot of newsy stuff that's going on with the team. And beyond that, I also have a uh, nice little exclusive interview that you can listen to at the tail end of our podcast this week with uh, the one and only Jack Silverstein, a great journalist and historian here in Chicago who wrote an important piece of work for Windy City Gridiron recently about the Bears and their history with race uh, within the NFL. And uh, it led to a pretty significant statement that the team made uh, this week on their uh, social media, on their on their Twitter page. Uh, primarily, and uh, you could you'll be able to hear that a little later in the show, and me and Ryan uh, have some words on that as well. But uh, first off, we're gonna just you know talk about the game this week and talk talk about the Bears coming out of their big Monday night win, and uh, you know rolling into the uh, the big game Sunday. So uh, Ryan, as I bring you in, what's going on, man? How you doing? Not too bad, Kyle. Excited uh, for football action, per usual, and definitely for the Bears. And congratulations to Jack. Jack, uh, he does a lot of great work. Anybody that uh, hasn't followed him or doesn't uh, 
read his stuff, make sure you start tuning in because he definitely brings a very unique perspective. That's really great. Yes, indeed. That's indeed. And uh, if you don't know, if you don't know, you'll know uh, soon enough after listening to him uh, talk with me. But, uh, you know, as we as we talk about what's going on this week, you know, we uh, we the last time we uh, congregated Ryan was right before Monday's night's game. And uh, there was still a lot of worrying to be done. But, uh, you know, Monday played out pretty well for the Bears, at least the first half did. Uh, pretty dominant performance in those first two quarters. 28-0 uh, run to start the game. Uh, winds up being a 31-15 final. But the Bears got the win that they wanted. They saw the defense uh, assert themselves as they uh, – you know, as they haven't done to this point this season, they looked more like they did last year, forcing five turnovers, multiple interceptions, uh, two by Ha Ha Clinton Dix against his former team, and um, you know a lot of a lot of great rushing of uh, Case Keenum, uh, watched his quarterback and making him look uh, at his worst, uh, you know, the worst he's looked so far this season. Uh, not much done on the ground for Washington at all. And the Bears, you know, the offense showed something in the first half. Mitch, uh, three touchdowns, great connections with Taylor Gabriel. Uh, Gabriel wound up uh, leaving the game in the second half, uh, but uh, with, a, with a concussion. But, uh, you know, the, 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 the team looked they, – they gave a spark that we hadn't seen yet. And – you know, uh, it was, while it was against a sorry team in Washington, you know, there's something that I guess we could take from it as far as the Bears being not playing down the competition and most importantly setting themselves up for, uh, you know, getting getting over 500, of course, and setting themselves up for uh, a big, potentially a bigger win this week if they can maintain their uh, – uh, their momentum. So, uh, you know, Ryan, what what are your thoughts opening up on, uh, you know, what happened Monday and what it could mean for the Bears going forward? Yeah, Kyle, I think, uh, you know, going into Monday, there was a lot of uh, mixed emotions because the Bears had just really shown nothing offensively and mainly pointed at the quarterback and the head coach with, uh, you know, a struggling defense in Washington. They think uh, we all figured that it would be uh, hopefully an explosion of offense and that they would be able to kind of right themselves. And, and I think for a lot of us, uh, you know, looking at the defense, looking at the special teams, I think those things all check in the positive, you know, there's still, I think some question marks on special teams, but that defense clearly looks like the same kind of defense that there was last year. And I expect them to get a lot of turnovers and, and really be similar to the defense that they were a season ago. So I'm not worried about them. It comes down to really just the quarterback in Mitch. And, and I think for everybody, we've gotten to the point where it's grading every single throw, you know, listening to kind of just general thoughts around, 
you know, social media and uh, sports radio just around the city. It's uh, everybody was kind of saying how Mitch had this bad first quarter. And yeah, he wasn't accurate, but at the same time, he got the completions and he did what he needed to do. So how much of a positive, how much of a negative, you know, I think when we get to the point of grading every single throw, it's, it's probably too much of an evaluation on him. And I, I think you, we have to start deciding what side of the fence we're on. If you believe that Mitch is just shown his stripes and he is just not a guy that you can win a lot of football games with or at least win because the offense does uh, remain and work in a football game without having the defense set up, well, you got to decide if you're that person. If you're the other person that's still an optimist that maybe there's still time for him to turn things around and become a really good quarterback, then you know we'll find out a big step in either direction this weekend when it comes to the Vikings. But when you look back at what he did against Washington on Monday, I thought he did enough in that game with all the positives. You know, he still missed some throws downfield, but he was doing better with some of the reads, some of the things that he uh, was going after the defense. He certainly hit Taylor Gabriel on that 36-yard bomb for a touchdown which was a really great throw. Uh, it was a little bit of a flash of everything, and he was definitely aided by Nagy, whether it was play calling or talking through his ear. So uh, he did what he needed to do. I felt he bought himself time, which is this week, against the Vikings, because uh, the Vikings, they're going to try to uh, you know, keep things simple against the Bears. It's going to be up to Mitch, I think, making some big plays, and if he continues to make big plays to win games, you look at Denver, he makes the play that gets them in position to win that game. He does what he needs to do in Washington, and then he does what he needs to do against the Vikings. Maybe he's starting to turn things around, but uh, I think you got to decide what kind of Trubisky believer you are at this point. Yeah, I think when you look at Mitch, and you you mentioned you just mentioned there like the 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 last play at Denver and. I think, you know, when you look at a lot of what happened on Monday, there was some improvement being made in the way he carried out plays and uh, the way he read the, the, the Washington defense as compared to the way he read the Denver and uh, Green Bay defense. There was some stats. Uh, I, I said, I, I, there were some things I saw on Twitter, some stats about uh, his reading and, you know, how, him carrying the when him him keeping the ball more than three seconds and how he he, he was better he, he's he had his completion rate was better after he kept the ball for that amount of time uh, and this week as opposed to the first two weeks so there's improvement to be seen in some fi- in some uh, very fine ways and you know when as you said as you said too Ryan the only way that you know, Mitch is looked at as with a fine tooth comb. So, you know, he's he's old, he's one of the most overanalyzed players in the league. You know, and there's some reason for that. But, you know, I think under that under that pressure, he doesn't he he doesn't really he doesn't really take it to heart. It seems like, and he doesn't really seem to be too hard on himself. But it's not in a way where it's uh you know he's being oblivious like Cutler was or you know or trying to, you know, have an attitude in any way. He just picks himself up and, you know, he keeps going. And also he still does show in some ways a mind for the game. You know, I think when you look at certain things that he that he does, 
you know, there may be more of a physical thing that, you know, he may overthrow or underthrow. And, you know, he, he just reacts to certain things physically in a way that you may not want. But I, don't, I think the mind is there for him. And I think if he just continues on his path, and I think a lot, uh, you know, not enough uh, is being put on Nagy in the way that he may have, you know, have the uh, players have the weapons set up for, you know, Mitch to get the, you know, have guys set up for Mitch to get the ball to. Like, you know, the way that Gabriel, uh, you know, was able to get in place to receive the ball this week, it was night and day compared to what, you know, we saw in the first two weeks. And there was still, you know, there's still some players, you know, I guess, you know, this is a sign of the depth that the Bears have with their with the receiving core and everything. There's still players who you would like to see more of. But if he can, you know, the fact that he was able to connect with Gabriel and not just uh, be relying on, you know, uh, Robinson or Burton, like he typically has been in the, in the past year or so, I think that was a good sign. And I think it shows, it, it should show Nagy that, you know, if if we if they open up, if they actually do open up the playbook more for him, that he can see more of the field and see more things and see more receivers to get the ball to. Yeah, it, it just it's interesting because he he really just hasn't shown I think his full identity yet, and I think that that's what is frustrating because you want to say oh, he's a bust, or he's, uh, you know, Alex Smith, or he's, you know, a perennial pro bowler. I mean, you want to make a stand on him, but he just hasn't been consistent enough, and he's flashed in a lot of areas, but it doesn't seem like the only thing he's been consistent at, you know, with positive stuff is really when he's moving with his legs, trying to throw, trying to extend plays, trying to, to you know, either pick up yards with his legs specifically. And he definitely has his consistent negatives. But even with all that said, you know that there's still room for growth because he's still in a, a system that he's learning. He's clearly a guy that is in need of more reps. He describes himself as a reps guy. So it's not too late for him to become, you know, whatever he's going to be in a positive light, whether that's, you know, top 10 or top whatever. But he's got to be able to consistently go out against top level competition. And especially in what the Bears are kind of in this Sunday with a must win type game. You know, you can't lose two home games that are divisional this early in the season and then expect to go on and win the division and the NFC, when you look across with the West, the rest of the NFC North, and some of the teams even in the NFC South, there's a lot of teams that are going to be competing for those wildcard spots. And you really want to win your division and not have to worry about that. So if Mitch can go out there and win this game, no matter how ugly or pretty it is, but if he can be one of the factors that decides a win, not because the team just won around him, I think you would take that as still positive growth, and that's the thing that at least he's done so far early in the season. He has definitely gotten better each week, and maybe that's because of coaching and scheme and changing that up, but if that continues to happen, they're going to find a really good balance with him, and then this team could still be potentially deadly. 
Yes, indeed. Yeah. You, you look, you know, you mentioned the division and everything. And, uh, you know, the Bears last year went five and one in the division. So, you you know, you may not want to even lose. You talked about losing two games at home. You may not want to lose two games, period. Now, granted, the Bears could have actually lost with four and two in the division last year because they clinched the division before playing Minnesota in week 17. But, no, they didn't. No, they didn't do that anyway. They finished the job, and that was, uh, you know, a, def- a definite positive of last year's team. And it's something that we still need to, uh, you know, get a read of on this on this year's team as to how capable could they be of doing that. But this, there still is going to, and, and this week should say a lot about that because this, like I said, this is an important week. They they don't want to fall back. Uh, they don't want to fall back behind the Packers and Minnesota and uh, the Packers who are getting ready to kick off on Thursday night football right now. Uh, they're a good bet to go four and zero. So when you talk about overall records, that's going to be a, you know, you, you may have a four and zero Packers team this week and you know the bears fall two or two. That's two games behind the Packers in, in the overall playoff race, you know, talking about division and the playoff race. So, you know, there's a lot. There's a lot of the, the states are starting to to define themselves in uh, overall this week, and uh, you know the Bears. You know, we gotta see how they're gonna respond. But uh, you no, know, looking at this matchup, you know, uh, you know Minnesota. You know, they've they've looked. They haven't looked a hundred percent great this in their first three games. They. Uh, you know, they have an offense that is looking to be more reliant on the run than anything right now. Uh, Kirk Cousins has numbers comparable to Mitch Trubisky's, uh, but he's, uh, you know, one of the highest paid players in the league as opposed to Trubisky, who's uh, still on his rookie contract. So, you know, he, they're not getting what, what they should be getting from their quarterback either. But like the Bears, they have a stout defense, one of the best in the league. And, uh, you know, you, you got to figure it's going to lead to a pretty hard-hitting game uh, this this coming week, this summer Sunday. But, you know, in your mind, Ryan, what do you think are going to be some of the things that could possibly separate these two teams, which, you know, of course, I'm very familiar with each other and like, and you know, very comparable overall as far as where their talents come from. Yeah, Kyle, I think you said it with hard hitting, old fashioned, black and blue NFC Central type game. I think is what you can kind of expect Sunday, especially if we get the type of rain that they're talking about potentially happening, where they could be playing in some uh, some slop. But uh, the strength of both of these teams, I think, is clearly their front seven on defense. And that's where they really want to dominate and then supplement with a positive run game if you're the Vikings. And for the Bears, it's it's that kind of, you know, West Coast-type offense that they're running with, like, the Chiefs and, and all kinds of other influences. But the front sevens are going to, I think, really decide how this goes down because, like I said, the Vikings really want to run the football. So how well do the Bears stop that uh, zone-blocking scheme that Gary Kubiak and uh, Stefanski, Kevin Stefanski, I believe his name is, the offensive coordinator, what they're employing uh, or deploying out in 
Minnesota and getting Dalvin Cook going, who is the leading rusher, and it's not even close right now. But a positive has been that the Bears' defense, especially when they're healthy, has been able to shut down seemingly any run game, and no one's had a ton of success being able to beat the Bears running the football. And, you know, it sort of depends on Akeem Hicks. He's definitely another key to this game and some of the other injuries because – Without him, it doesn't mean that they won't be able to, but he's been such a staple for this Bears defense. So without him, it could be very difficult, depending, and uh, that'll be something to keep an eye on. But assuming, let's say, that he will play this Sunday, then you think uh, if they can shut down that run game, it puts Kirk Cousins at uh, uh, playing quarterback and really at the mercy of the pass rush because I saw that he has been great at having – the third highest uh, pressure based on uh, the the early parts of the season. So it seems like his offensive line, they've done a better job at this zone blocking scheme because you don't need really good offensive linemen to run it, but they are still struggling at pass protection. And that's that's a bad sign for Kirk Cousins going up against this Bears defense, especially after that Monday night performance. And then uh, to throw it on the other side, if the Bears are going to win this game, they're going to have to start playing really well offensively on the offensive line, but also discipline in everything that they're doing from route running, the timing of everything, and then Mitch obviously delivering the ball. So it's going to be how much pressure, especially if Bobby Massey, it looks like he is going to be able to go, but he had vertigo, so that can maybe pop up at any point, but how these tackles handle Everson Griffin and Daniel Hunter, who are the real studs, uh, pass rushers for this Viking squad. And then if the Bears, depending on if they go out with a, a running mindset like they did against Denver or more of a quick passing game mindset like they did on Monday night, uh, it's going to be up to execution and being that supplemental group that does more for its defense. And, and that's really what it's about. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if one of these teams – started to panic at some point given the pressures that you know you that we can probably expect both sides to see you know i think a a big a big part of this game will be you know who who sticks with what they know they could do best and uh you know if the if if the vikings can get a encouragement in in regards to their running with with cook and everything and uh, you know if they're able to get some yards and chunks against the Bears' defense, that that could go a long way in uh, the way that they execute their offense. If the Bears can, uh, you know, get some get some good get a good string of completions going with Mitch and do some good things with the short passing game and maybe uh, you know bring down some of the Minnesota defenders and allow some space where they can maybe take a couple of tries downfield. With with Mitch, you know that that'll be a, that'll be a go a long way in the Bears, allowing the Bears to feel confident in um, in their balanced offense and you know attempted balance, and uh, maybe they can uh, maybe allow the Bears to make some more big plays like they did against Washington. So, uh, but if you know if if the if one of the respective pass rushes, you know, starts to affect what's going on in the pocket on either side. You know, then that's gonna definitely mean a lot to uh, you know, what, you know, who's gonna who fall who falls behind and who's gonna be rushing, you know, you know, literally rushing their uh, you know, 
their offensive attack and doing things maybe that they don't need to be doing, and that could uh, help tip the scale somewhat on Sunday. Uh, yeah, Kyle, a couple more keys that come to mind for this game that I'll be looking out for and kind of speaking off some of the points that you pointed out. Uh, the downfield shots specifically, the Bears, they've got to take some more downfield shots, and I'd like to see you know, a, at least one a quarter and maybe even throw in a couple more with Mitch on the move, especially uh, whether it's like a play action boot or some kind of movement of the pocket and maybe get him in a half field read with a, a couple deep routes. But whatever the case, I, I want to see the downfield throws because the obvious type of game plan to come in uh, when you play Mitch in this offense is bring everyone closer to the line of scrimmage keep everything 10 yards or less. If you get beat, make sure that you are tight enough that it, you don't have an obvious wide open receiver, but you don't have to be super tight because the ball isn't going to be there. It's not going to be in the spot that it needs to be because Mitch has not shown the ability to throw it downfield. But regardless of the fact of he of himself being accurate downfield, he has got to still take those shots. They've got to try to force Minnesota to be afraid of that so that it either either softens things up in the quick passing game or in the run game or whatever part of the offense that they want to try to execute and open up some of these windows that you know with a good defense, these passing windows are going to be really tight and there's not going to be as many guys running free that Mitch had when it came to that Washington game on Monday night. So it's going to be about execution with him and it's going to be about game planning by making sure that they put enough fear oh into the Vikings that they respect that. And uh, it's going to be potentially uh, how we talked about it earlier, that if there is a bunch of rain and this turns into a slop fest, whether it's perfect and just the uh, most beautiful day ever, regardless of that fact, I think that this game is going to be a low scoring affair because I don't think either coach wants to do too many shots downfield and go up again and put their defense in a position where they're trailing the other team because both of their teams are, are led by their defenses. So I, I think it's going to be more of a conservative approach from Nagy. Same thing with Zimmer for Minnesota, and that means a field position game. you got to make sure that you take care of uh, your execution when it comes to not making dumb penalties where you could change or flip the field. And you got to make sure that you don't make mistakes, obviously with turnovers, but also with sacks, with negative plays, tackles for losses, because this could be a big time field position game. And that means how we saw sort of like Green Bay Denver, where you got to continue to apply pressure and that can in itself create some more scoring opportunities. The Bears have yeah, flirted in the yeah, past yeah. in the past couple of weeks with, you know, being really affecting themselves with penalties and stuff too. So, you know, you definitely want to definitely want to see that the defense doesn't have too many, uh, you know, uh, offsides penalties, and you know, the offensive line. You know, they're gonna, you know, you mentioned they're gonna go against a pretty effective pass rush. So, you know, hopefully they could keep the holding penalties at a minimum. You know, you definitely don't want to see things where they're they're affecting the way that they're affecting themselves instead of, uh, you know, you know, if, if Minnesota outplays them, if Minnesota asserts their will and just does things that they can't, you know, match up with, that's one thing. But if the Bears beat themselves, that's 
going to make it a lot harder to take, make a loss a lot harder to take. And, uh, you, you know, you're foreshadowing a little bit, too, with some of the stuff you just said, Brian, with the special teams. And uh, I think special teams is a, a factor of the game that, uh, you know, both of these teams, Minnesota and Chicago, have had issues with over the past year. And uh, we look at the Bears, you know, we, we – We've looked at ourselves as having a uh, a savior with Eddie Pinero, but some of that uh, enthusiasm from the Denver game had to, you know, had to be reeled back a little bit on Monday, given, you know, the fact that he was playing visibly injured, and that he, uh, you know, he missed a kick. You know, because of that, likely he missed a kick on Monday in Washington. So, uh, you know, starting with with the Pinero situation, what do you how how big of an impact do you think special teams will have on uh, either side of the ball this week? You know, it, it definitely can have a big one because Eddie Pinero, with his leg injury, I, I think he'll be better because it's a pinched nerve. So you would think that's just a matter of time, and they must have felt that you can't make it worse by uh, by performing out in the field because otherwise they wouldn't have gone with Eddie. And so uh, I think he'll be a little bit better, but that doesn't mean that he won't be a factor in this game because it, it, this is a game, and we've kind of talked about this, uh, it's sort of a must win if you want to win the division just based on how, it, you know, Green Bay, they can win or lose against the Eagles, and it doesn't really matter. They have a tie-break advantage over the Bears right now, and they have the advantage because they'll be hosting the Bears. And we know how tough it is to win on the road in the NFL. And you can't expect to go perfect on the road against your division when your division's pretty good. So it, it really boils down to you have to execute. You have to win this game if you want to have realistic hopes of winning the division and in that sense, you've got to go out there, take care of business, you know, at all levels, whether it's the offense, defense, and then definitely special teams. The kicking will matter. How does Eddie respond? Uh, the coverage units, they haven't looked great. You know, this would be a terrible game where you have kind of that give up that return because it's been building up for a while. And we'll see if uh, that's going to continue. But uh, I think overall special teams won't be a big story in this game because both sides are, are pretty much equal. Well, you mentioned, too, the potential for weather to be a factor. So, you know, we can't necessarily overlook that, especially in, in Chicago by the lake. Yeah, I believe that there is a, a decent chance for some storms that could even potentially cause some delays if there's lightning. Uh, certainly they can't play if there's any type of lightning scene within a certain uh, distance or whatever it is, but I, I don't know exactly the NFL rules on, and protocol on that, but it, it'll be interesting to see how that would affect both teams because uh, it maybe helps the Bears a little bit more because Mitch is a runner versus uh, Cousins. That's really just a statue, but uh, it's hard to say whether that would matter that much and how the field would look because – there's been that uh, talk in the past. I, I think things have gotten a little bit better with the Park District, but the Bears have uh, always been regarded as having a really bad field. And uh, certainly if guys are just uh, slipping all over the place, you never know what that could mean in the game. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Uh, any any particular matchups, anything you want to put under the spotlight? 
Uh, the big one for me that I've been just really focusing on are the various uh, Bears offensive linemen versus Vikings defensive linemen and vice versa because it's really going to be a lot of fun to watch the trenches in this game. I would highly suggest everybody, I don't know what their viewing preferences are, whence uh, is it all just staring at the quarterback while the ball's snapped or whatever it is, but I would just focus on the battle in the trenches because that's going to be really the deciding factor to me. And if Khalil Mack can go out there and and do what he does with uh, his crew and how – how much pressure this Vikings offensive line has given up, you would think that that gives the Bears a big advantage, but how shaky the Bears offensive line has been so far in these first couple games, it's hard to know, you know, a good defensive line going up against a shaky offensive line, that could spell just big-time trouble in all types of phases. So it's really interesting to me to see this battle in the trenches. It's almost like a, a December game somehow, and maybe the rain even kind of adds that effect. Yeah, definitely, definitely. It, it's high stakes definitely in this one. And, uh, you know, like I said, maybe a lot of, a lot will be said, I think, about the way that the Bears see themselves, you know, really contending this year. You know, you gotta. Actually, this is this is definitely a moment here, and uh, you gotta see how they step up with it. Uh, looking at this game Thursday, this Thursday game that we're watching right now as we record this, you know, Pack are already up on uh, the Eagles, so they're not looking to slow down. And uh, you know, depending on how much uh, you know encouragement. Minnesota gets out of this week, you know, you got to figure that they're not going to slow down either. So, uh, yeah, the, like I said, the Bears might want to cut that off at the at the head, uh, you know, and, and like I say, uh, make, give themselves an advantage against one of their rivals already. But uh, we'll see how that goes. But uh, I'm going to look at, look quick at the line here, you know, as I, as I keep going with my spread, my my spread endeavors this year, you know, I'm doing. I, I had about I got about eight right last week, you know, which uh on ESPN it puts me above the average. They say the average player is getting fifty percent of the of the games, but with the spread, you know, I got eighty percent. So that shows you mm-hmm. you can make money with me, man. If you bet with if you bet with me, you know. So you know. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not. Once I get money, Kyle. Once I get money, <laughs> you got to get somebody to bet it. So. I, once I get it, I'll be there. I'll be there listening. But see, I'm, I and I do this every week for Bears fans because I love you. I'm, I'm one of you, and I want you guys to feel safe about betting with the Bears or betting against them. You know, depending on the situation. So, uh, you know, looking on ESPN, they got. The Bears at minus two, two and a half points coming. Man, so they're down. Yes, they're 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 thinking the Vikings are favored because you get three points for being at home. So they think, uh, all things considered, the Vikings are the favorites. I think. Yeah, I think a lot of that again is you know not not very much confidence in Mitch and the offense as a whole, and knowing that. Uh, this Minnesota defense is going to be a lot more competitive than uh, the Washington defense was. 
and you know it may be other things that the other factors too like we talking about the weather potentially and you know the fact that these two teams like say that they're division teams so you know you, you may want to edge a little closer with the bets when it comes to uh you know division matchups and stuff but but like you say too ryan usually you get about three if you're a home team and um you know Two and a half. Maybe, uh, maybe the Bears fans are betting so hard on the Bears to win that that adjusted the line to to force Minnesota to get some action. You may be right about that. Maybe a lot of Bears fans out there in Vegas right now setting the line. So, uh, you know, I, I, I'm pretty sure if that was back in the day. We probably would have had some of our uh, some of our friends from the outfit probably uh, setting the line out there. You know, physically. But uh, you know, I don't know how how the game is this these days. But you know, hopefully it's a little more cleaner than that. But you know, at a at a two two and a half rate, you know, two and a half spread, I would say I'd say go with the Bears. You know, I think you know I, I'm 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 staying confident in the team, and I think for them for them to win it, you know. Three winning it by three is the least they can do. And I don't know, and I don't see any situation where they will win it by less than that. You know, if you if if you if you have confidence in the Bears, I think missed extra point by Dan Bailey. How about that? There you go. There you go. And, and like I said, Minnesota, <laughs> like, like they haven't figured out their their special teams. They could they could be giving up points pretty easily. They could be doing. They may go for some twos. You know, being on the road, that's something that you get more likely with a road team going for two. So, uh, you know, I I, I like the Bears at two and a half. You know, again, this is sort of – and I said this last week, you know, before Monday night, you know, if the line went up towards a touchdown more or or so, I think it wound up being like a five and a half. You know, but, you know, I, I, I said, you know, sort of shy away from the Bears the more it goes up. But you know, I was I was definitely wrong on that when the Bears cleared the line pretty heavily. But uh, you know, this line should probably stay and stay uh, stay tat. Uh, and you know, with a, like I said, under three, I I definitely would give the give this one for the Bears. And uh, you know, yeah, win it outright. That's what we're looking for. That's what we're hoping for. Yeah, I'm with you. I think uh, I think they're gonna win this game and I would assume it's going to be by three or more yeah it's not a it's not a bad 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 bet at all um I'm just give I'm looking at some of the other lines what jumps out to me uh Bill Bills are getting seven and a half at home against the Patriots that's a that's pretty tempting uh Lions six and a half at home against the Chiefs. Yeah. And uh the Dolphins, you you always get those big lines with the Dolphins. They get sixteen and a half at home against the Chargers. That's that's the one I say bet. I I don't I don't like the Chargers much. They don't get they got Gordon back this week, but he's not playing. It's it's in Miami. I like the I would I would say, you know, don't put everything on the Dolphins. Cause they're pretty bad, but uh, they they got to show some pride, man. I I think I don't think they lose by more than two touchdowns to the Chargers. Let's say that. 
there's a lot of room for error there with the with the Dolphins. So, you know, put a, put a little bit on them and see what see what it do. And uh, you know, that'll be my lock of the week. Sixteen and a half is a little bit too much for the for the Chargers at home at on the road against uh, the Dolphins. I I, I believe that I will hold against that. Yeah, that's going to be uh, – there's a lot of good matchup this week. I, I'm going to – I think this is sort of the week where we find out some of the pretenders and some of the contenders. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, you look at, uh, you know, Dallas at New Orleans, you know, say the Bears, Vikings, uh, you know. Uh, Packers, Eagles got tonight. Eagles tonight, of course. You know, Kansas City, Detroit, Kansas City get their first crack at the North Division, so. Uh, be interested to see how that goes. Cleveland and Baltimore, and uh, of course England, uh, New England and Buffalo. Yeah, this is pretty good matches this week. We're getting teams are starting to figure some things out about themselves, and you know uh, we get to see how that how those things play out on the field. So uh, definitely looking forward to another great week of NFL football. Yeah, I'm right there with you. It's going to be, I think, just a a lot of good games all the way around. Yeah, definitely. But uh, yeah, I think we did our job for now, Ryan. Man, we uh, you know, let's leave it at that. Like I said, we got uh, got my talk with uh Jack Silverstein coming up in a minute here, and uh, you know, we definitely definitely appreciate Jack coming on with us, and you know, try to do some more special things like that with the podcast throughout the year. So look out for more stuff like that. But uh. Yeah, for now though, you know, with me and Ryan, we're gonna chill and uh, you know, watch, you know, scout do some scouting with the uh, Eagles and Packers game and see how that goes. And uh yeah, this is another another week of football getting starting to get revved up. You know, hope you guys enjoy your weekend, enjoy all the football that you watch and everything and uh yeah, definitely hopefully uh Hope you enjoy the Bears game, their upcoming effort as well. So, uh, yeah, for now, uh, for Ryan, this is Kyle signing off. And uh, yeah, enjoy the talk with Jack and enjoy the rest of uh, the podcast. All right. This is your man, Kyle Means, editorial director of WeAreRegalRadio.com, War Media. And uh, as I promised you, we have a special segment for this week's Bear Necessities podcast. Uh, the one and only Jack Silverstein, a good friend of ours uh, from, uh, you know, Dean Davis show on now on through, uh, you know, everything involved with Regal. Uh, you know, Jack's been a great supporter and a friend over the past several years and, He's uh, definitely the man in our city when it comes to, uh, you know, uh, just well-rounded sports journalism and sports historian, uh, you know, uh, perspective. And he's been doing a great job, you know, for a long, for quite a while uh, documenting the Bears throughout the years. Uh, he's a definite must-follow on social media. Uh, you know, I read Jack on Twitter and uh, a shot on Elo on uh all one word on instagram 
Uh, Jack, we're glad to have you, man. Your first time on the Bear Necessities podcast and uh, first time on War on Anchor and our setup, as uh, our, our latest setup. But uh, how right. you doing, All man? Right. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. I'm glad you glad you're coming on, and this is a great time to have you. I'm glad you're you're free because I know you're getting hit up quite a bit uh, this week. And you know, <laughs> given what's happened this week, though, this is the main reason why I want to get you on. But uh, you know, you really uh, were able to, sh- you know, observing you this week really uh, did a lot of good for me, and I think a lot of us. In the uh, in the sports journalism community here in Chicago, because uh, you know you really did something that made an impact, and uh, it, it showed this week with the Bears. And uh, you know, before you know, we get into all that, maybe you could just give us the backstory uh, about for those for those who don't who, of our, in our audience who aren't up on everything that is that has happened. You know, give us the backstory on uh, what you wrote about. And you know how the Bears uh, have seemingly responded to it. Yeah, definitely. So I wrote about the team's throwback jerseys that they're going to wear. Excuse me, throwback uniforms, as Paul Lucas from UniWatch says, uh, <laughs> okay. going to wear this week against the Minnesota Vikings. They are from 1936. They look very similar to our normal white jerseys as far as the tops, uh, with the the change is that there are four stripes on each shoulder, orange and navy. They are also um, are also known with these uh, with these candy cane big stripe socks and a different style of helmet, like the University of Michigan helmet, but in Bears colors. And the team announced these in June on June seventh at the big hundred year uh, celebration reunion that they held, Kyle Fuller and Tariq Cohen came out to model them. And pretty immediately, there was a great deal of buzz around the jerseys because they look cool, I think. I mean, some people think they look whack. I think they look cool. I agree and with you. I think I think they look great. And and we'll, as, as we go along, I, I want to talk a little bit about the whole, uh, you know, the disconnect that, you know, some of us had, of course, of, of our – are are black the black bears fans among us given what you unearthed and you know the 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 coolness of the jersey but no go ahead go ahead yeah yeah. so so there was a buzz around that and the other piece of the buzz was that the jerseys are a historical anomaly most throwback that the bears wear and that i think most teams wear tend to be tied to an era so the jerseys that we have that are navy with the block orange numbers and letters those are honoring the night those are from the 1940s right the orange jerseys that we have are really just an homage to a number of different orange jerseys that the team wore throughout their first four decades but this jersey was specifically one year 1936 so i started reading up on that one just looking into what the team did they went nine and three had a heartbreaking end of the year with losses to the lions and the cardinals and i was looking for photos of the jerseys from that time a week later i saw a tweet um about from a a, a chloe silvers that's at c-h-l-o-e-s-y-l-b-e-r-s and she wrote about joe lillard 
Joe Lillard was a halfback, a tailback. He was sort of, you know, before the modern quarterback, he was sort of what a quarterback was, but sort of what a halfback was. And he played for two years on the Chicago Cardinals. Uh, 1932 and 1933 was a star. He led the Cardinals in total yards in 93 and 33, excuse me, scored half their points. And his birthday was June 15th. And, and uh, then this woman had written about Joe Lillard, a little honor to him. But she noted that he was one of the final two black players in the NFL before the 12 year ban on players, on black players. And I was. I was familiar with the fact that there had been a period um, where the NFL pushed black players out of the league, allegedly to um, placate the white fans. But I had never seen it written out in terms of the, the, the number of years, first of all. And... And, uh, and then I had also never heard of the players who were pushed out. So I'd heard of the players who reintegrated the league in 1946, Kenny Washington and Woody Strode, but I had never heard of the players who were pushed out, Joe Lillard and Ray Kemp. And that, um, and that, while I was in the heart of all this research on the 1936 jerseys, that really was... That was the connecting of the dots because then I realized, okay, 1936 was the third year of this 12-year ban. And that means that Kyle Fuller and Tariq Cohen were the first black players to ever wear these jerseys. Yeah. And from there, I just I was off and running and I wanted to learn more about the ban. And again, when the NFL tells the story, they tell it about George Preston Marshall, who was the one of the founders and then became the longtime sole owner of the Boston. They were the Boston Braves, and then he changes the name to the Boston. Are they are now the Washington Football Team, the team we played last week? Exactly. Um, so <laughs> the slurs, as we call them. Yeah, exactly the slurs. So George Preston Marshall, as I say, was let's put it this way, racist even for the 1930s. Um, A little bit about him. He uh, was the last holdout to integration in the NFL, didn't integrate the Washington football team until 1962. He famously said that his famous quote is, we will hire black players when the Harlem Globetrotters hire white players. Hmm. And there's a lot more I could say about George Preston Marshall, but I think those two, that fact and that quote pretty much gets the job done. Sure. So the story of the ban, as the NFL told it, was always attributed to George Preston Marshall and it was attributed to the Great Depression. But I started looking at the actual numbers of black players in the NFL and it was a huge drop off from 1926 and I, between 26 and 27. And I'm like, okay, well, that's three years before the Great Depression. So that's not a factor. And that's five years before George Preston Marshall was an owner in the league. So that's not a factor. So then I'm thinking, all right, this was obviously already happening. Additionally, um, I felt like uh, I had identified this owner's meeting in February of 1933 where they changed a bunch of rules. They added uh, several rules to help make the game more entertaining and help the fan experience. And I, 
and I identified this time. I was like, I bet this is when this unofficial black ban was implemented or when it was floated or when it was somehow agreed upon. And at that time, George Preston Marshall, he was coming off his first year as an owner. He didn't have the, the voice to be able to truly strong arm all of these other established owners plus the league president unless they wanted to be a part of it. And that's when I started to then think, all right, well, who would have, who would he have needed to co-sign? And that's when I came around to George Hallis because George Hallis was the owner of the rating NFL champions. He was the longest running NFL owner. He was the only one who was at the 1920 meeting in Canton, Ohio that kicked off the NFL. He was, and this is critical, he was the chairman of the Rules Committee. And he and George Preston Marshall were friends. They had a long-running friendship and a long-running rivalry. But the friendship ultimately stood the test of time. And it was this sort of realization that this um, Chicago hero, that, that the NFL had kind of removed him from his culpability and uh, his participation in and benefit from and steering of this shameful period. And not just Hallis, but a bunch of other people whose names are as hallowed in NFL history and in their cities as Hallis is in Chicago. So Mara, the Mara family with the Giants, um, not long after the 33 meeting, the Pittsburgh Pirates became a team. They became the Pittsburgh Steelers, owned by Art Rooney. The Rooney family still owns the Steelers. You had uh, David, uh, Dr. David Jones sold the Cardinals to Charles Bidwell in 33, the, or in 32, no, in 33. The Bidwell family still owns the Cardinals. You had Bert Bell launching the Philadelphia Eagles. He went on to be... NFL commissioner, he's got a, an MVP trophy named after him. Of course, you had Curly Lambeau with the Packers. Now, the Lambeau family doesn't own the Packers. We know they're owned by the uh, by, by the citizens of Green Bay. But right. gosh, there's no name. I would argue there's no name in, uh, in the history of the NFL with as much iconography attached to it as Lambeau. Maybe more than Hallis because of Lambeau Field. Um I don't know, Lambeau and Hallis as names, they're, they're neck and neck. You could make an argument for either one. Definitely, definitely. So you had all of these all of these huge names and figures and re- people who are revered in the NFL, and the only one who was targeted as the leader of this was George Preston Marshall. Now, obviously, he was a uh, – I can't use the word I'm thinking of um, because it would be inappropriate – but I'm just, I'm thinking of, think of whatever curse word you want for a person. That's what I'm thinking of. And he was a real, he was a, you know, he was a real piece of, you know what? Yeah. But, um, and certainly he led this and reveled in it and did the most work to maintain it. But something like this doesn't happen at the will of one man. And George Preston Marshall has become a very convenient scapegoat and boogeyman. And it lets all these other, all these other people off the hook. And, what I wanted to do with my article was to bring them back into the circle of responsibility and say they were part of this. They benefited 
from it. They uh, sustained it. And, you know, if the black, uh, if the ban on black players was all that was keeping these teams from integrating, then their histories would be very different. But remember, the Bears started in 1920. The ban ended in 1946. The Bears didn't integrate until 1952. Mm. The Giants um, started in 1925. And, and they... You know, and again, like the Giants to this day are co-owned by the Mara family, um, and, and they didn't integrate until I believe nineteen fifty. Uh, the Packers not until fifty. The Eagles not until forty-eight. So, um, yeah, the Giant. Sorry, the Giant. The Giants were forty-eight. Uh, the Eagles were fifty-two. The Packers were fifty. The Bears were fifty-two. So it wasn't just this ban that was keeping black players from these teams. These teams were doing this before and they continued to do it after. And it was something that I thought we should wrestle with. Um, so I wrote a piece and we published it on when you see the gridiron in August and had a really nice reception. People really dug it. But what snowballed was really when Reverend Jesse Jackson found it. And a couple of weeks ago, um, I got a direct message from Santita Jackson, who is his uh, producer and co-host, and she is our host uh, of a show herself, and she is uh, the Reverend's daughter, and she got in touch with me and said that Reverend Jackson found the story, that he was, quote, compelled by the research, and I came on his show, um, and I did Santita's show, and on the Reverend's show, Chris Broussard from Fox Sports 1 and Jim Rose from ABC Chicago were on. I then did Chris Broussard's show, and then Jim Rose said that he was going to take this issue into Hallis Hall and request an interview with George McCaskey. Now, I don't know exactly what flipped, but um, on Tuesday, we saw that the Bears released the videos with George McCaskey and five players, the Social Justice Committee, and they said, you know, we're, we're excited about these jerseys, we're going to wear them this week, but they also have this bad history, here's the history, and... Um, and we are going to auction off game-worn jerseys uh, and, and donate proceeds to the organizations that they support. So I don't know exactly what happened. Um, the, the, the reporting from the Sun-Times and from others that I've seen is that George McCaskey brought this issue to the players, not just these five members, but the entire team, and said, here's the deal. This is, this is what happened. This is how the Bears were involved. Um, you know, I'm not... Uh, we're, we're going to wear the jerseys, but I want you to know the history. You might get questions about it. And then from that, the players decided this is how they wanted to respond. That's at least the story that I've heard. That's what's out there. Um, I don't know if it was Jim Rose who was asking uh, for an interview that led George McCaskey to do this. I know that George obviously knew that I was doing the story because I had reached out to him for an interview, which he had respectfully declined. Um, and instead, he sent PDFs of the team's centennial scrapbook that they published this uh, summer, and, and that the, the pages of the PDF, the scrapbook that addressed this. So he sent that to me, which I thought was cool. Um, so I know he knew about it, and I had told their PR that I was, you know, a standing offer to George McCaskey if he wanted to do an interview. So I don't know if it was my work directly. I don't know if it was Jim Rose. I don't know if it was. So Reverend Jesse Jackson wrote a, um, a column for the Sun-Times 
couple days after I was on your show, and that was widely syndicated. I don't know if it was that. Um, but whatever happened, the Bears clearly put out the jerseys. They either thought to themselves, we have this history, but that's ah, okay, no one will find out. Or they didn't even realize, or like they, they didn't process it, or they didn't think about it, or they didn't review it, or they didn't, you know, they just were like, these look cool. Whatever it was that happened, they put them out in June. I published the story the last week of August, and here we are in September, um, a couple days before they wear the jerseys, and something clearly changed internally that made them release this video. And to their credit, and to George McCassie's credit, to the players' credit, they chose to do this. And the fact that they did it is what has blown this way, way up. Because as much as the article, my article was, um, you know, well-researched, powerful, uncovered a lot, and it, and it was well, the response was great, but the response wasn't as overwhelming as this. And by putting out that video, they made this an even, I mean, a 10x story than it was. And, you know, I got a call, I got a call last night from, a radio sports radio host in England from the BBC. Um, and he wanted to talk about this. That tells you the reach the the Sun Times and the Tribune wrote about this today. And they cited my story, but they wouldn't have done that if the bears hadn't put out the video. So, uh, I, you know, I, I applaud George McCaskey for that. I applaud the players. Players are really excited. They're excited to be the first black players to wear the jerseys. Um, they didn't know about the history. They said that they didn't know about it until George McCaskey, or most of them didn't know about it until George McCaskey told them. So, you know, however this got to this point, George McCaskey has clearly leaned into it. And certainly part of this is economic. They have jerseys to sell. They, they have a great looking product. They, they, it's very popular. They don't want to stop selling the jerseys, but at the same time, they, they could have ignored it. And I don't think it would have blown up. Um, it hadn't yet. It hadn't with me, Reverend Jesse Jackson, with Chris Broussard. I don't know if it would have with Jim Rose, but the uh, the Bears leaned into it, and here we are. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, Jack, you're very gracious to give uh, McCaskey the credit and uh, the team the credit that you've just given them. And and I agree with you. They deserve that much for leaning into this history and acknowledging it and trying to do something to repair that uh, that the negativity that was brought on by uh, the those choices made in the past. But, you know, you definitely set, the, set things in motion. And you knocked down uh, a domino, which knocked down a, quite a few dominoes uh, ahead of it, and you know you deserve a lot so. of credit for that, man. And yeah, it, it, I, I think I think that's fair. I don't. No one had written about it at this level, and um, so I, you know, I don't know. Like you said, I put it one domino down; it led to others, and that's the beautiful thing about um, about journalism, about research, about history. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, But, but what the bear 
players did here and what George McCaskey led and what these players led is that they they wrote this fact into the telling of the story. They acknowledged it. They said this happened. And now when Bears fans talk about these jerseys, they know that this happened. It's a part of it's a part of the history as it is told. A history is only as good as the record. Whether that record is oral, whether it's written, whether it's filmed, whether it's audio file, it's only as good as what people say and what people pass on and what people tell and what people embrace and acknowledge. And this was kind of in that respect, it was a pretty pretty seismic act by George McCaskey because this is now taken as record. And this this fact of this um, 12-year ban and who was responsible, who benefited, who acted, is part of the record now. Um, and I think that would not have happened if they hadn't made that video. So that's pretty cool. And it, w- it wouldn't have happened if you didn't write the write the initial piece. And that's right. That's right. But, but no, that's right. I'll give myself credit where it's due. But even mm. having written that piece, it's something that could have been ignored. Right. Definitely. The, bear, the Bears didn't have to do what they did, and it validates what I wrote. It validates what Jesse Jackson wrote. It validates what Jim Rose uh, was doing, or uh, Chris Broussard talking about it, or our friends at Barbershare. Uh, net or um, or or the work of um, uh, the historian Thomas Smith, who everybody should look up, Thomas G. Smith, um, or Chloe Sobers. You know, it validates all of us and anybody else who has wanted to talk about this period right. uh, of NFL history. And and like you said earlier. They acknowledged this. They took it on, and you know the franchise didn't hasn't crumbled, and they're you know the the earth didn't spin off its axis or anything. And that's something that you know hopefully the NFL can learn from. Like like I said, when it comes to acknowledging what, things in its past and in the, and in its present regarding the treatment of you know people of color and the treatment of uh the treatment or application of certain issues of uh, social uh, import. So uh, we definitely got to acknowledge that. And, and, you know, Jack, man, I, I, like I said, I really appreciate what you, what you, what you do, man, always and continuing to do, you know, and, and you definitely did a great service with this man. So you definitely should be applauded. And, um, you know, but, uh, before I let you go though, man, uh, I just, I just wondering, man. I know you didn't get to see, you know, the the Bears uh, Monday. You were busy uh, with your softball league. You told me, but uh, how do you feel about the team this year? I mean, obviously the defense is wonderful. Um, I'm still, I'm still a little nervous about Trubisky, and it doesn't get into like comparing him to Mahomes or Watson or anybody else on his own terms. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm just a little bit nervous. <laughs> um, he's, he, he seems to, I don't know. I'm not a quarterback and a, uh, analyst. I, I, so, 
you know, I'm just in that respect. I'm a, I'm a, I'm an astute fan. I'm a student, but he's, he's, he's had some, he's had some great closing drives. Uh, Detroit and Baltimore is rookie year. I generally party into position in the playoff game, but still a little bit, little bit nervous in a league where passing numbers are so high that, you know, he goes and plays a terrible defense and throws what two hundred thirty one yards. Um, so I'm still a little concerned, but overall, still very excited, still very hopeful, and and we're still growing, but uh, but I'm a little nervous. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm with you there, man. And you know, this week is going to be quite a measuring stick against uh, Minnesota and. You know, we, we know the guys will look good in the jerseys, but we got to hope that they play just as well as, as they look. Because, uh, you know, if they lose, I've, I've seen some stats on Twitter uh, over the past couple of days, uh, teams that lose their first two comp- division games and lose their first two division games at home pretty much are exempt from the playoffs. So uh-huh. it won't be a good sign if they lose this week. But, uh, you know, at least they got other things going for them if if you know even if uh they they fail this week but i i think i think there's a chance that they could rise to the occasion this week and and maybe some of this stuff that's going on you know uh maybe that could be a rallying point or you know a team building point you know the brothers got to feel a little bit better about themselves going out to represent the team this week so yeah you know yeah, but that might, be, that might be right but listen overall I'm still very confident, and and uh, I'm not writing. I'm not writing Trubisky off or Matt Nagy, sure. quite frankly. But sure. um, but I'm a little more nervous than I would like to be in a, in in week four at a point where we're coming off a division title, twelve win team. Um, I'm just a little more nervous than I would like to be. So that's that's what it is. That, that's, that's why we're that's why we're fans. We're masochists. Exactly, especially Bears fans. We, we've we've uh, we've dealt with a lot of masochism over the years, definitely. But uh, yep. but uh, but one more thing, though, man. I like I said, you know, you've been able to have the uh, pleasure of getting to know some past Bears, you know, uh, and and particularly from that from that last Super Bowl era, uh, the the team that made the last Super Bowl in uh in James in uh. Like you know, uh, in 07, the 06, 07 season, I you know I'm looking at this era, current era. This is a pretty interesting era as well, and it, and it may borne out a lot of uh, interesting stories and storytellers from this team. If you know, if you would pick, if you could pick one guy right away to from this current team that, to interview about. You know, in five years or so, or five or ten years down the line, who you, who would that be? Akeem Hicks. Akeem Hicks. I I don't even have to think twice about it. That one obvious. <laughs> okay. Akeem Hicks. Akeem Hicks, who came in, uh, who came to the Bears in 2016, who immediately changed his uh, Twitter profile—not his profile, his like his cover photo, the one that the horizontal one that goes across the top. He changed it as soon as he came to the Bears to a, a picture of Dick Buckus. Um, okay. and that could be considered pandering, but it's just, he has just embraced, it's been a couple of things. He's, he's embraced the team's history. He has embraced 
the city embraced the culture. Obviously, he has played his ass off. Um, just a remarkable player, remarkable talent, a great leader. Um, I haven't heard I haven't heard anyone say a bad word about him, uh, whether as as a player, as a, as a teammate, as a leader. He he kind of strikes me as the Anthony Rizzo of this particular team, where I felt like when the Cubs won the World Series, that Anthony Rizzo was like simultaneously excited for himself and his teammates and his coaches as a player, but kind of also excited for the fans as if he was also just a fan of the franchise, having been through such hard times uh, when we acquired him from San Diego. And I felt that like there was this dual thing happening for Rizzo. And I feel like when the Bears win the Super Bowl, that's what's gonna that's what it's gonna be like for Akeem Hicks. That he's like excited for himself, certainly, and for his teammates and his coaches, but kind of like almost standing outside of it all with knowledge of the history and the fan base and the city of Chicago and the state of Illinois and um every and and uh everybody who roots for the Bears. So it would definitely be a key mix, no question about it. That's a real good answer, man. And and I, you know, thinking thinking about it, I think Akeem really is a guy who, even though he wasn't drafted by this team, he's very proud to be a Chicago Bear. And you know, whether he finishes his career in here or not, I think he's going to be a guy who uh, Bears fans are, are really going to hold dear for the rest of his uh, career and uh, you know and, and beyond, you know, as a retired player. So yeah, yeah, yeah I, I agree. I agree. I, I, I'm, I look for. I'm, I'm sure you'll you'll get that done as uh, in some way, and uh, I, I look forward to you know seeing whatever uh, piece you can make of a of a sit down with Akeem Hicks in the future, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. that'd be cool. Yeah. So Jack, man, uh, thanks again, man, for sitting with me. We, we've almost done an hour, man. I didn't expect to talk this long, but this, uh, this is a great rolling. time, man. I, I'm, I'm glad uh, you had the time to do it. Yeah, thanks for having me, Kyle. I really enjoyed it. Jack Silverstein, y'all. Uh, you can read them on uh, Windy City Gridiron. Uh, where else we can, we can read? Uh, Barber's Chair, other what other platforms we can see you on. Yeah, I'm all around. I would just go to go to read Jack on Twitter. Um, Certainly. Yeah, that's that's the spot. And like you said, a shout on Elo on Instagram, Chicago Sports History and stuff. Definitely, definitely. The man. This is this is who you want to know. If you want to know uh, his history and uh, not only the, the established history, but history in the making here in Chicago sports, uh, read Jack, Jack Silverstein, man. Much love, bro. Uh, pre- like I said, appreciate what you're doing, man, and uh, wish you the best. Thanks, brother. You too. Appreciate you. Thanks for having me on. All right, man. All right. All right. That is uh, Jack Silverstein, and this is uh, Bear Necessities podcast sending it out on this one uh great to talk to jack and uh we'll talk to you guys soon as well uh definitely after the bears uh hopefully succeed against minnesota uh but uh one way or another me and ryan will be back next week with all 32 and bear necessities so uh keep hollering at us uh show us love and we'll show it right back bear down